Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Did you know that the human brain expresses only two fundamental emotions, love and fear. From these two, all other emotions are experienced. As Christians, we're called to live in God's love. But how do we live in love or fear? Humans can have many types of fear. There's the fear of the unknown, pain, death, and fear of choices, just to name a few. When we live in fear, we react to instead of act against our fear. But when we love, we have excitement, generosity, trust, and courage. Love strengthens and empowers, whereas fear weakens and disables. Perfect love, like a light, casts out all fear. For it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Many times, our fears can be irrational. It's like believing in the boogeyman. The devil causes us to become fearful, but God is way bigger. When we give up our fears to God, we can live a full life in love that he has prepared for us. So which will you choose? Fear or love? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. That's Apostle Paul addressing Timothy. And yeah, I didn't, th- I didn't speak with, uh, with Paviel, but we're on the same page. I said, preach it is the theme of my sermon today. And I will we'll get later into this, but you know, that's how the Holy Spirit works. He coordinates and orchestrates things beyond what we could do. This Sabbath and next Sabbath, fear versus faith. How does fear work? <clears throat> Consider this. It's dark outside, and you're home alone. The house is quiet, other than the sound of the show you're watching on TV. And you see it, and you hear it, and at the same time, the front door is suddenly thrown against the door frame. And you're like, your breathing stops. Your heart races, your muscles tighten, and a split second later, you know, it's the wind. No one is trying to get you into your home. 
for a split second, you were so afraid that you reacted as if your life was in danger. Your body initiating the fight or flight response, critical to survival. But really, there was no danger at all. <clears throat> what happened to cause such an intense reaction? What exactly is fear? Today we will examine uh, some psychological and physical properties of fear and look at some examples in the Bible. Next Sabbath, we will look at the spiritual and theological implications of fear and how you and I can have hope while living in such fear-driven culture. What is fear? <clears throat> the dictionary defines it as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause you pain or a threat or hurt. It is a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something or the safety and well-being of someone. Fear is one of the most basic emotions, as we saw in the videos. It is programmed into the nervous system and works like an instinct. From the time we were infants, we were equipped with the survival instincts necessary to respond with fear when we sense danger or feel unsafe. And like all emotions, fear can be mild, medium, or intense, depending on the situation and the person. A feeling of fear can be brief or can last longer. Longman Dictionary of Contemporary English defines fear as an unpleasant and usually strong feeling caused by the presence or expectation of danger. Now, how does fear work? How does it work? When we sense danger, the brain reacts instantly sending signals that activate the nervous system. And this causes physical responses such as faster heartbeat, rapid breathing, and an increase in blood pressure. Blood pumps to muscle groups to prepare the body for physical action such as running or fighting. Your skin sweats to keep the body cool. Some people might even notice sensations in their stomach, head, or chest, or legs, or hands. The physical sensations of fear can be mild or strong. This response is known as a fight or flight because that's exactly what the body is preparing itself to do. Fight off the danger, or run fast, run fast to get away from it. 
and the body stays in this state of fight-flight until the brain receives the all-clear message to turn off the response. Sometimes fear is triggered by something that is startling or unexpected, like the loud noise of a sudden open door, even if it's not actually dangerous. That's because the fear's reaction is activated instantly, a few seconds faster than the thinking part of your brain. As soon as the brain gets enough information to realize there is no danger, oh, just the wind, whew, and it turns off the fear reaction. All this can happen in seconds. Or, as Christy pointed out, in COVID-19 pandemic, people have been living in fear since March. And no wonder our bodies become tired and sick. So how fear works? It's a chain reaction in the brain, as I said. It starts with a, uh, with a uh, stressful stimulus and it ends with release of chemicals. And these chemicals are ordered to the body by the brain. And, uh, well, the brain actually is fantastic. You know, uh, David said, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. <clears throat> More than 100 billion Nerve cells comprise an intricate network of communication that is starting is the starting point of everything we sense, we think, and we do. Over 100 billion cells is in our brain. Some of these communications lead to conscious thought and action, while others produce autonomic responses. The fear response is almost entirely autonomic. We don't consciously trigger it and even know what's going on until it ran its course because cells in the brain are constantly transferring information and triggering responses. There are different areas in the brain involved in fear, but research discovered that certain parts of our brain play a central role in this process. And if you can look at uh, the brain right here, <clears throat> these are parts of the brain involved in fear. Thalamus, right here, this part is actually decides where to send incoming sensory data that comes from the eyes, from ears, from mouth, skin. Then you have this sensory cortex who actually helps with interpreting those sensory data that comes to it. Then you have the hippocampus that actually stores, it, uh, it, it, it stores and retrieves conscious memories. And it processes the sets of stimuli to establish a context of what's going on. And then you have amygdala. Oops, yeah, this one right here. It's small, but it's very important because it decodes 
emotions and feelings and determines for a possible threat or a possible trigger. Amygdala kicks us into this fight or fight, flight response. And um, this little one, hypothalamus, is the one that actually turns it on, all this process. Amazing, right? Amazing. Well, we can talk more about that, but we don't, we're not going to give anyone um, a diploma or a PhD in psychophobia after this sermon. So we're going to stop right there. I want to ask you, what fears do you have this morning? If I were to ask the kids, the younger generation, do you know the tep, top 10 fears in adolescence? These are the top 10 fears in adolescence. Fears of sickness. Fears of their parents divorcing. Fear of not doing well in school. Fears of natural disasters like tornadoes, fires. Fears of peer pressure or peer rejection. And also... Adolescents, they have their own phobias, fear of spiders, snakes, death, war, and fear of being a failure. Notice, being indicates shame. Then in the general population, grown-ups, in, in contemporary America, people are afraid or they have fear of flying fear of heights, fear of clowns, <laughs> fear of intimacy, fear of death, that's understandable, fear of rejection, fear of people, yeah, there are people that are, fear of, have, are afraid of people, fear of snake, fear of failure, fear of driving. And I could add to both groups from what I've heard people say, and certainly young people, is fears of uncertainty and fears of social and racial injustice. As you might expect, there are different types of fear. Deluded fear or unhealthy fear, bad fear, and, uh, and, and non-deluded, or healthy, or good fear, if you will. And this can be divided into fear of inevitable, or fear of the evitable. The key to dealing with fear is to check which type of fear we have, and to reframe our unhealthy fear of what we can do nothing about, into healthy, appropriate fears of what we can do something about. Good or healthy fear is the fear that keeps us from going into, into traffic on a public road, from fear that we might get run over by a vehicle, right? That's a good fear. Also keeps us from getting too close to a fire or touching a hot stove, right? From fear of getting burned. Bad or unhealthy fear is the false evidence or expectations appearing real kind of thing. It's when we believe the unreal and let our feelings take over 
the facts. And we experience a lot of that these days. Let's look at some good versus bad fears in contemporary America. Feeling, um, feeling anxious when flying through turbulence or taking off during a storm. Is that normal or not normal? It's normal. Not going to your best friend's wedding because you have to fly. That's not a good fear. Uh, experiencing butterflies when looking down from the top of a skyscrapers or climbing a tall ladder. I know some people will never climb on, on scaffolding. I worked there. I had no fear of that. Uh, but that's normal to have fear of that. Well, turning down a job because it's on the fifth floor, that will not be a healthy fear, right? Getting nervous when you see a pit bull or a Rottweiler, well, yeah, that's understandable. But not going to the park because you might see a dog there, that's not a good fear. Good and bad fears also run through the Bible, from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Eden, Eve. Eve, what do you think? She's reluctant to believe the serpent and to eat from the forbidden tree. Is that a good or a bad fear? That's a good fear. Adam and Eve, they're hiding from God after they ate from the forbidden tree in Genesis 3.10. And when God asked Adam, Adam, where are you? He said, I, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Good or bad fear? Bad fear. Abraham. Abraham and his wife Sarai. They're taking control over God's promise by involving Sarai's maidservant to marry Abraham. And they have Ishmael. Fearing that God would not fulfill his promise in their lifetime. Was that good or a bad fear? Bad fear. Abraham in Egypt. Remember the story. Everybody looked after Sarah and lies that Sarah is his sister from fear of being killed. Good or bad? Bad. Esau. You know the story of Jacob and Esau? Esau sells his firstborn right to his brother Jacob in exchange of a cup of soup. Why? He was fearing he was going to die of hunger. Was that a good or a bad fear? Bad fear. Jacob. Well, Jacob did a lot. <laughs> Ends up in Mesopotamia. And he's coming back. Now he's got a big family. And coming back to meet his brother upon returning home, fears his brother might kill them all. Is that a good or a bad? It is a good fear. He's realistic. He takes necessary action. And the lives of all people in his household are spared. Saul, the first king of Israel. You heard about Something about him last Sabbath, Pastor Dwight Nelson preaching. 
First king of Israel facing Goliath. Good or bad fear? Bad fear. David proved him wrong, right? Then you got Elijah. I forgot to put the names on the screen. Then you have Elijah. Think about Elijah. The entire day, those people prayed, nothing happens, and then he has a prayer on Mount Carmel, and fire comes down from heaven, devours the sacrifice and all the water around. Mighty works done by God as he worked through him. And then he runs for his life, fearing Jezebel. Is that a good or bad fear? Bad fear. We finally come to Joseph, the father of Jesus. He fears not only for Mary's reputation, but for her life. Good or bad? Good fear. And the angel confirms it and tells him to follow through because this is from God. My friends, fear is interwoven into our lives since Adam and Eve, since the very beginning. And as professionals are stating, it drives our very lives, for better or for worse. How? And what fears drive your life today? Apostle Paul said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. As our video earlier indicated at the beginning of this message, although the scientists identified many feelings that we may experience, they all boil down to two main or two core feelings, fear and love. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and I underline it, I don't know if you can see it, fear and love. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of love and self-control. Now, we've been talking about and studying and sharing testimonies about being filled with the Holy Spirit for over three months now. I preached it. I experienced it. We have over 30 people participating in our small groups, praying about it every day. Take a closer look at this advice Paul is giving to Timothy. God has not given us, what? A spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of love and self-control. Let me put on the screen what Paul what Apostle Paul is defining as the result of living life filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when one lives his or her life filled with the Holy Spirit, we call that the baptism of the Spirit. He or she will experience the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And Apostle Paul defines the fruit of the Spirit with nine qualities in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Take a look at what it starts and what it ends. And then go and look back to what he's telling us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and of power, love, and self-control. Do you see back? It starts with love and it ends with self-control. See the connection? Could it be, could it be fear is more than a feeling? Could it be that fear is more than an emotion? Could it be that fear is the result of not having the right spirit within us? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. And you may say, Pastor Marius, I see the love and the self-control, the end. But where, 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 where do you get, you know, this fruit of the Spirit, all nine right there? But where do you get the power related to the Spirit? Well, let me direct you to the first chapter of the book of Acts. There, Luke writes this. It's about Jesus. Relates the story of Jesus in the very, well, just a few minutes before his departure from earth to heaven. And Jesus says this, For John truly baptized you. He is talking to his disciples, and he talks with the people that were there with him on the Mount of Olives. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not too many days from now. Pentecost is coming. They didn't know it. It was coming. And here is what Jesus says. Verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power. How do we receive the baptism of the Spirit? We receive it by faith. <coughs> My friends, faith is another spiritual characteristic of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And faith has the potential to change your life. What is faith? Well, we're going to go straight to the Bible, straight to the Word of God this time. We'll come back to other definitions next week. The 11th chapter of Hebrews often being called the Hall of Faith, Bible's Hall of Faith. It presents an informative discussion of what constitutes genuine faith. And here is the definition of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this is what we learn from Hebrews 11 about faith. Faith is rational. By faith, we understand that the universe is not self-existent. Rather, it was designed by the Creator. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things 
which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, we understand that. Faith depends upon revelation. I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. I'm talking about the revealing of God's truth to us. That revelation. God in history has borne witness. He warned. He called. Verses 4, 5, 7, and 8 in Hebrews 11 says that by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith Enoch was taken to heaven. By faith Noah being divinely warned built a boat. And by faith Abraham obeyed. Men and women do not have, do not know how to serve God. The Lord has spoken. And that right there has spoken. Hebrew 11 verse 1. And in the final analysis, that revelation is embodied in the Holy Spirit. The Lord has spoken and men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Scriptures came into being. Into being. For by it, verse 2. By this testimony, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony, which they written for us is the scripture, this good testimony. Faith involves trusting our maker. When Noah was warned of God, though he had never seen a flood, he prepared the ark. See? We're talking about and we're preparing the world for a second coming. And people don't believe that because it never happened before. They don't know. How, how is Jesus going to come? Faith involves trusting our maker. He's able to do it. Abraham left Chaldea not knowing where he was going. Clearly trusting the unseen God is a vital component of true faith. Faith is an action word. Though many seem to entertain the notion that faith is merely a mental conviction, this chapter 11 reveals that faith, in order to be valid, must act. By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed the Lord. Faith, Separated from obedience is dead, James calls it in James 2.26. So for us to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an act of faith. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of power of love and of self-control. My friends, in our human condition, in our human state, we can only live with a spirit of fear. But God in His mercy, God in His grace, knowing what we're going to go through these days, God has given us a spirit, His Holy Spirit, which will produce in us 
power to live our life victoriously, power to be witnesses for Him, and He will fill us with all those nine qualities of the Spirit, from love to self-control. Next week, we will dig deeper into this study and learn more about the spiritual and theological implication of fear and faith in our lives. My friends, don't let what's going on in the world touch you and affect you. The reason I picked to, uh, <clears throat> to, 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 to preach on fear, fear versus faith, because this is the week of the Halloween, you know, and people really like to get scared. Everywhere you look is something to scare you. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It is not from God. The Spirit of God leads us to love, to peace, to joy, to faithfulness, to kindness, to patience, to goodness, to gentleness, and to sound mind or self-control. That's the Spirit of the living God. So I pray that as you go about your life this week, <clears throat> that you remember when you get afraid, Yes, it is true. God put all those things in our brain. But you can say, Lord, you have created me. And I know the spirit of fear did not exist before the fall. So, Lord, I pray that you will give me your spirit today. Let that be our experience this week. Amen.